When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. City of Chronicles is a Bay of Chronicles production. I thought it was a really fun game though. It was a good game. It was a really fun game. I think I think Milan could have won it. And I think that if either team deserved it more, maybe Milan did deserve it slightly more. But I think that Me too. The reason the reason that Napoli won it though still isn't like I should say this is the podcast, but I think it's not incidental. Um yeah, I'll I'll save the podcast actually because I've got yeah, thoughts. <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of the Seria Chronicles podcast. I'm Mina Rizuki, and as ever, I'm joined by Nikki Bandini. If you do hear any helicopters, it is because today is the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, our queen. And I live in London, and and I'm the route from uh, Buckingham Palace to Windsor Castle. So there is a lot of commotion over here, but we are working even though Nikki and I, I assume, both have an eye. Is that true, Nikki? Are you watching it on the TV while we're chatting? I have had it on. I've just, I've just turned it off. I've just turned it off. And I, Mondays are always crazy busy for me. It's always funny when there's a bank holiday on a Monday and everyone's like, oh, what are you doing for bank holiday? And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's <laughs> during the football season. I'm working as I always am. I know. But I've had it on. I've had it on in the background. It's very, it's very strange, isn't it? You know, like it's... I know. We we talked about her the other the other week and and like culturally like clearly like such an important figure, but there's still something very peculiar about like I just it's a very odd line of conversation to go down at the front of the podcast. But like, isn't it weird that like imagine your body was being like processed all the way through town and like wheeled in front of everybody for hours? Just I don't know that that thought of it being you inside the box, like me inside the box, that feels weird. But I know it's an important act of national memorializing so i'd like it <laughs> i sort of wish it would happen for my funeral <laughs> i'll keep this in mind i'll keep this in mind no but nikki i'd want them to see what i was wearing as well but then you know like <laughs> i would put on a fabulous outfit but then i wouldn't actually want you to see me dead as well so i don't know you know i mean i don't know if this is a disrespectful chat now but all i'm saying is that when i was watching all this i was like gosh can you imagine they did this for my funeral like how lovely, you know, like all the traditions. And how lovely does London look today, by the way, you know? It does. Actually, it's, it's a lovely day. It's a lovely day for it, which is nice. Imagine if it had been tipping yeah. down with rain. That would have been awful. It would have been very British, though. It would have been a good send-off in that yeah. sense, you know? 
yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is just bizarre because it's all, it's like eerily quiet where I am. And then just other than the helicopters that are above, you know, which haven't mm. actually, like they seem to have maybe gone now, but you know, it's, it's a very bizarre thing to do. But unfortunately, if you do work in football, stuff must go on and culture mm-hmm. must go on. I was in a very horrible mood yesterday. You can only imagine why. Um, <laughs> but it, it started actually from the morning uh, watching Inter. But we're not going to start with this match because we're going to start with happy stuff. And we're going to start with the two teams that are vying for top position in the title race. Although I have to mention Atalanta pretty great though. <laughs> um, okay. Milan, Napoli. Now, I don't we'll know. We'll get I think to Atlanta. We will get to Atlanta. We will, yeah, because they definitely deserve to be spoken about. Although it's a very different Atlanta to what we're used to. But Milan, Napoli. Do you think that it's fair that it's a Napoli win? Do you think they both deserved points? Um, and if so, does that mean that Atlanta, I guess, would, would be in first position if they finish level on points? And do they deserve to have that more than Roma? Uh, sorry, more than more than Napoli and Milan? Oh, there's just so many questions. There's so many questions. There are, there yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, this was, it was such a, God, it was such a crazy sun, uh, Sunday, wasn't it? Because if you think, by the time we've got to this point on Sunday night, we've already seen Udinese upset Inter. We've already seen, you know, we've already seen uh, Roma lose to Atlanta. We've seen um, Monza beat Juventus. You think, good God, there can't be another, like, highlight can there and then this game came along and was almost probably the most um entertaining game of a lot of them because it was really high quality because both teams were actually really good I didn't think either team came out and really sort of failed to live up to its its hopes for itself yeah it was it was a really entertaining game and and, and one of those sort of nice moments when two teams play each other and they aren't shy they don't hide from each other they both try to play their game and they both sort of play it well rather than one of them shutting up shop and trying to, to cling on for something and look, I, I thought Milan were overall probably mm. slightly the better team, like edged it. I thought it was a close game, but I thought Milan was slightly better. Of course, they did hit the woodwork twice. And one of those was a great save from Merritt, even for it to hit the woodwork. Really nice push onto the bar from Giroud's shot. But at the same time, I sort of came away with this feeling that maybe the reasons that Napoli won and Milan didn't weren't incidental. Like they did, they, they were meaningful. Which was, okay. I guess, a couple like of different what? things. Why? Well, I mean, there's this part one is is just an observation on an individual player, which is Cavaradonna, Grazgalia, in, in a quieter game. Two players booked fouling him in the first half. Then the player who comes on to both those players get subbed off because Pioli doesn't want them getting sent off. And then Dest, who comes on to replace Calabria, um, then gives away the penalty. So just the fact of Grazgalia's talent, again, even in like a game where he's not that influential compared to other games this season, still decides the game. But actually, I think what really made me think this is not incidental and made me think this is meaningful, even if it's a little bit, um, you know, lucky to win rather than draw maybe, is just the fact that we went into this game with two teams, Milan and Napoli, both without maybe like their best star up front, right? Like, because Milan without Liao, you're like, okay, that's a big loss. It's Liao. He's their, their electricity. He's the one who makes the sparks happen. But Napoli are also without Osimhen. And where Milan are once again saying, hey, Giroud, could you fix this for us? And he nearly does. Napoli is like, well, we'll try Raspadori. And then when Raspadori doesn't work, off you come and on goes Simeone. There's so many options in that team. And I think it was just one of those moments when Simeone scored that header, I just thought again, this Napoli team is deep, Mina. It is a deep team. Look at the players they used in, in midweek in Europe as well. They, they rotated again. 
it's different. Napoli have not always had a squad like this and that makes a difference in big games. And I think, of course, it's too early to say who's going to win the league, but I think those things do make a big difference over the course of a season. Here's the thing. Is this a battle of the two squads? Because I felt like it was a bigger loss for Milan to be without Leal than it was for Napoli to be without Osserman. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Cavara is probably as important now as Leao is for Milan. I mean, he is definitely the one that caused the most strife, you know, and he's the one he plays with such unpredictability that I don't think he knows what he's going to do next. So <laughs> it's, really, it's really hard, right, to, to like defend against that. I mean, I want to speak about Napoli in the sense that I thought that they were like fantastic because I just think that you just it's very hard to get the better of Angry and He just makes everything tick going forward, mm. especially when he is put alongside Lobotka, who is the conductor of the orchestra, right? Then you've got all this unpredictability with Cavada. And it's just, it's a team that's solid defensively and it's beautiful attacking-wise. And you're right, it does have options off the bench that I think that half the time I look at these players and I think, are they going to make a difference? But they do. And I wonder whether they've just won when it comes to their sporting director and Spalletti. I feel like it's rather incredible how much, I mean, there's, I just don't think there are many clubs out there that would have looked at Lobotka and Anguisa and thought, yeah, those two are going to make the difference. You know, those two are going to make us a, a title winning team. But it, it is, firstly, it's great scouting, even Kravatskelia, you know. It is also the ability to develop them, not on just a mental level, but on a, on a tactical, technical, like everything level, it is this, they just look like a very strong team and one that isn't as mentally fragile as it was when Insigne was playing for them. And I told you this, you <laughs> I, get rid almost, of that boy. <laughs> I, I almost texted you when Politano scored the penalty <laughs> with the quest. I was going to quest, I was going to just send you the question, would Insigne have scored it? I was just going to send you that and then I didn't because I got distracted. <laughs> So I, I did think of you when he scored that penalty, which actually the more times I looked at it, the more I was like, is this a good penalty or did he get a bit lucky? Because it's close yeah. to the keeper. And so everyone says, oh, you know, it's, it's hard for the keeper to get down there. And it's true because Manion dives. But if Manion yeah. doesn't dive and just sticks a leg out, it's an easy save. It's true. And you, and you kind of would bet on Manion for this type of penalty, right? You know? Mm. So I don't know. But it does kind of, it's weird. It's almost like as soon as they got rid of all these guys that we thought brought the leadership to Napoli, it's like, actually, they have a lot more leadership. So I don't know what's going on there, Absolutely. you know? Um, or maybe they just don't feel like they're shackled or there's no this desire to prove you're Neapolitan to the core. I don't know. These There's just a lot of just let's have fun. And they're not playing mm. with the weight of pressure. It sort of did bother me when Pioli went down this route of taking off two players because he's scared of yellow card. And it's like, we've just talked so much about Inzaghi doing it and why it's so wrong doing it, which I'm sure we'll get to later, you know? Although he persists in the sense that Calabria was injured and that's why he was taken off. So, you know, you, you sort of deserved what happened with Dest. But on the other hand, in my, in, in my thoughts, they were still really good in the second half because his changes made a difference. And I love the fact that Purely wins with duels. Like, they're ferocious, this team they are. And this, this is them playing midweek. They got a great win over Dynamo Zagreb that Chelsea made look really powerful, right? And so you think mm-hmm. there is going to be a drop-off, but there wasn't. There was this the pressure, like, we're going we're gonna to really go for it. We're going to try to bully you. We're going to try to stop Cavada, but the rest of us has enough. And Giroud always comes up trumps in these big matches, like, He's brilliant. He does. He's incredible. Yeah. 
But Haddon-Murray, how has this goalkeeper gone from being like a mediocre dud to, freaking hell, man, you're pretty good. Right? I remember how many times we were on um, Sky over this summer being like, oh, they're going to sign Navas, they're going to oh, sign yeah. whoever else. Um, and and none of those things happened. And actually, Merritt has really turned out to be one of the stars of this early part of the season. But I was thinking just then, Mina, when you were talking about um, you know the the leadership going and, and the characters going, and, and I think leadership is one of those terms that's really nebulous because I think that mm. like leadership can mean such different things to different people in different times. I think there is a time and a place for your, I don't know, I guess what people would call like your John Terry leadership. You're sort of like being very sort of front and center and shouting and being sort of very rah rah. And there's yeah. a time and a place for sort of quiet leadership. And then I think there's something almost in like. I don't even know if leadership becomes the right word for it, but I think there's something, a certain power in a group of just being very hungry individuals. And I was thinking that about um, Simeone again, actually, but he's not the only one. I think you could say the same about Aspadori. I think you could say the same about most of the players they brought in and indeed Merit, who they didn't bring in. I think you've got some players there who really feel like they've got something to prove. Mm. And, and Simeone is just a good example for me because I don't think Simeone is an elite level like world talent. Like I think he's I think he's quite good. And I think he's he's sort of, as we've seen before in his career, he can blow hot and cold, but when he's hot, he's he's quite hot. But I do think he's already a bit on in the last year. We were sort of seeing this like attitude shift from him and like a a, a a approach to his work that was different, putting more time in, talking about it quite candidly, saying he wasn't as focused earlier in his career. And I I just feel like, you know, it started with that scoring in the Champions League and kissing the tattoo. I think he feels like this is his chance. And when you've got a player like that as your backup striker, basically, and, and we'll see how the hierarchy falls between him and Raspadori, the longer Rossman's out, but that's really valuable. And I think that, I don't know, I think maybe there are a few people there who, I'm not saying that Insigne didn't want to win because of course he did. I'm not saying that, that, that Mertens didn't want to win because of course he did. But I just think... Being in the same place for a long time, unless you're a very particular character, can breed complacency, can breed a certain comfort. Yeah, I, I agree. And so just these players all being like either in a new setting or players like Merritt who's been there, but they haven't had the chance and they need to prove themselves. It feels like a group that wants to prove something. It does. Um, and, and that isn't enough on its own. You've got to be good as well. But so far this season, they've been pretty good. Actually, that, that is a great point. So I wondered whether it was a win for Spalletti and, and Gentoli more than it was almost a win for their squad, you know, just for, for assembling this brilliant side. Gentoli is, is the winner of this season so far, as far as I'm concerned. And it's amazing to say that because I don't think that's necessarily still a well-run club, but it's got some things about it that are very well-run and, and he's one of them. He's clever. And, and what I like about him is that he has tracked players, but he's also tracked how they are as characters. And, you know, Simeone yesterday looked to me like he was kind of an elite player. And I don't know whether it was because he was like, yeah, I mean, his decision making was at least spot on for me, which sometimes is one of the mm. things that I've never been that sure about. But I do want to talk to you about whether or not Milan are perhaps lost this type of game because there's something going on there in defense. Seven goals conceded in the last five matches, you know is, you know, I've talked about the the sort of them missing Frank Kessier, but I look at Tomori, you know, obviously there was a change because, you know, Kayer and Calabria were taken off and Boron, Kalulu. They just don't look that secure at the background. And Tomori, to me, doesn't look like Tomori. So I don't, 
Is that what it is? Is it defensively, if they were just a little bit better, a little bit more secure, they could have won this match against Napoli? Yeah, I think it's a really um, astute observation because I, I, you know, it's no secret that I am a big admirer of Tamori. I've, I've campaigned for him to get in that England team for ages. But he's definitely at fault on that second goal. And he's been at fault on on a few goals so far this season. I, I was thinking on the flip side of it, like, oh, isn't it funny that Simeone, he's not short, but he's like five foot ten, I think maybe, that he wins so many headers in the box. It's again, a sort of testament to him. But Tamori should not be giving him that much room to win that header. He should be closer to him. He should be on top of him. And yeah, it's it's hard sometimes to pass, especially when we're still early in the season and you haven't had that much time. What is individual error and what is systems not quite working? What is sort of everyone not quite being in tune with each other yet this season? And of course we had, as we said, already seen half of that defence changed out at half time, right? You've taken off your right back and your centre back partner. So things did change up a bit, but it still to me doesn't explain the detail of, of how Simeone has that much space. I think tomorrow just should be closer to him and yeah, it does. It's not a suddenly a global judgment on him as a player, but I don't think he's playing as well this season as he did last season so far. Well, either way, I think it's definitely between these two sides when it comes to that, or it should be right now, considering it's very early in the season. There's lots of room for him to, to make up where they are now. I don't think there's a, there's a hope for you. Um, so I, I am interested. There's obviously so many other teams involved in this, but these two, front-footed, brilliant in the Champions League midweek, brilliant in this match. So well done to you for the, I don't know, for the promotion of Serie A, for the beauty of that game. But let's start with some crisis-ridden teams, uh, just to swiftly move on to more depressing matters. The first game of the day was Udinese versus Inter. Sports Social Podcast Network. 